In light of the focus on our men's shed this morning and my assumption that we would have an unprecedented number of men in the room today, I decided to explore the topic of authentic manhood. On Sunday, November 27th, I'm going to speak about authentic womanhood. But today, our focus is squarely on masculinity. I've been thinking, reading and mulling over this subject for over five weeks now, but I feel like I'm only scratching the surface here. This is a topic I feel quite passionate about, so I trust that what I share this morning may be of some help. What do I mean by authentic manhood? The word authentic means genuine, real, not a copy, original. However, there is a lot of confusion today about what defines a man and what is an accurate picture of manhood. For example, what images come to your mind when you think of a real man? Is he a man of physical strength, able to achieve great physical challenges? Is he a man of great intelligence, able to solve mysteries and provide answers to complex matters? Is he a man of action and adventure, unafraid to take risks? Is he a gentleman, well-groomed, kind, considered, man? Is he a mystery, always keeping an air of suspense and uncertainty about himself? Is he able to woo beautiful women with his swagger and sex appeal? Society has a largely skewed perspective on what it means to be a man. For example, the dominant Hollywood version of a man's man is a leader of the pack, macho, alpha male type. The kind of man other men look up to and try to emulate. He is typically a womaniser, or at least able to charm women into bed at will. He's rugged, handsome and tough. He can win against all the odds, and he doesn't need directions or help from anyone, let alone God. On the other end of the spectrum, we have Homer Simpson, the lazy, incompetent, yet mostly harmless buffoon. Homer embodies the man stripped of his power and masculinity. Men are confronted by these images of manhood every day, and in the face of their prevalence, it is often hard to find a healthy expression of what masculinity looks like. Defining what enables a male to achieve manhood is not so easy. This is a big issue and fraught with a plethora of different opinions and ideas, in part caused by the feminist movement, which sought to push back against an unhealthy level of male dominance. Whilst I would absolutely want to affirm the many good and empowering aspects of the women's liberation, such as ensuring women are treated as equals, giving women a voice and a more prominent place in the workplace and society in general, as well as seeking to squash sexual harassment and domestic violence, which is still a large work in progress. Somewhere along the line, what it means to be a man in a positive and uplifting sense has been somewhat lost or obscured. Not to do an Adam and blame Eve, men are 
equally responsible for this epidemic. Men are powerful creatures and unfortunately have a very public history of misusing it to the detriment of others. One of the more recent cultural responses to male dominance has been the mocking of men. Homer Simpson is, of course, case in point. But there are many other examples, such as Ray Barone of Everyone Loves Raymond, Kramer of Seinfeld, and Phil Dunphy of Modern Family. These guys make us laugh, but in a subtle way, they can communicate that the modern man is incompetent with a very low level of emotional intelligence. Masculinity has largely lost its edge. Many men have become soft, embracing a more passive and apathetic approach to life, not really aspiring to fulfill a strong masculine identity as they once did. In addition, Things that were once considered very feminine are now being marketed to men. For example, the other day I was standing at a urinal at Erin Fair looking directly at an advertising sign of male body waxing. <laughs> I mean, the hair on our bodies, or, or lack thereof, is something that for centuries has kind of distinguished men and women's bodies. But now those rules are changing. Jeans, originally designed for hard-working miners, now come distressed. They are pre-rinsed, pre-torn, and have a pre-worn look, enabling a generation of indoor-dwelling, technology-driven young men to look and feel like they've been hard at it. <laughs> and in recent times, the long, bushy Ned Kelly beard has made a striking comeback, heralding back to a very different era of masculinity. But as one social commentator recently said, just because you have a beard and wear a flat shirt doesn't make you a man if you can't change a light bulb. <laughs> I have read on various occasions comments to the effect of we increasingly have a society of boys in men's bodies who still live at home with mum and dad, spend copious amounts of time playing video games, and are fearful of commitment and unfamiliar with hard work. Now, it is increasingly hard for a boy to learn how to be a man these days with the majority of school teachers and out-of-school care staff being women. Coupled with the high numbers of boys who come from fatherless homes, is it any wonder men are becoming more familiar and comfortable with a feminized identity? As Steve Bidoff commented on the recent ABC program, Men Up, Boys can only grow into men if they have good, positive male role models and figures in their lives, especially between the critical ages of 14 to 21. Our culture is seriously lacking in good, present, safe, hard-working male role models who can help young boys 
navigate the waters of adolescence successfully and become the men we need them to be. Many of the messages men receive today about masculinity are about externals, how they look, what kind of car they drive, what physical challenges they can overcome, how many beautiful women they can attract. But manhood runs much deeper than externals. It's not really about how one looks or what one achieves, but who one is and how one consistently behaves that makes a man a man. Authentic manhood is not about the biological makeup of a male either. It's more about what's inside a man, his heart, his character. So what characteristics help a man achieve authentic manhood? And by what standard are we measuring these questions? To answer these questions, I want to ask a third one. What is God's idea for manhood? Well, God's idea has nothing to do with being macho or emasculated. And it's certainly not about how well one is groomed, the amount of facial hair or lack thereof one has, what car he drives, or how many women he can successfully attract. I believe that as our Creator, only God can provide the answers we are in search of. And thankfully, His Word, the Bible, has lots to offer on this important subject. Regardless of your personal belief system, the Bible contains huge amounts of practical truth and wisdom for daily living. It's really worth considering. From a biblical viewpoint, the first thing we need to understand is that God created man in his own image. Reading Genesis 1.27, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created the male and female. The creator of the universe made men in his image. The writer of Psalm 8, verse 5 to 7, says this of man. For you made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honour. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the sea. To have been given dominion over creation is an incredible amount of power. But with great power always comes great responsibility. And history certainly has far too many examples where men in particular have not used their dominion for good. But in fact have caused terrible damage. My brother-in-law Paul Toms, upon learning I was speaking on this subject, kindly sent me an essay he has recently written on healthy masculine participation in the church, wherein he captures very well what I'm speaking of here, and I quote, 
Men have had it pretty good over the years, particularly in our Western system. Men have dominated in positions of power, both in the church and broader society, and have used that power to ensure their positions are maintained. We have lived in this inequality for a long time, and in many areas of life we still do. This imbalance of power has led to significant, and in many cases, horrific abuse over the years, from the waging of wars to violence within the family unit. The church, among other institutions, is now coming to terms with one aspect of this as they face the current Royal Commission into child sexual abuse. The position of father within the church was once associated with leadership, wisdom and comfort, and a position of authority and trust within the community. But sadly, it is now more associated with abuse and pedophilia. This association reaches far beyond perpetrators and institutions and has an impact on the everyday life of men, as quite literally the sins of the fathers are visited upon the sons. End quote. Sadly, this reality highlights how we are such a long way as men from living with a true understanding of the endowment God has bestowed upon us as ones who are to be crowned with glory and honour. The effect of sin is far-reaching. Men are powerful creatures, and at their best they have enormous potential to bless and nurture the growth of others around them. At their worst, they have capacity to do irreparable, lifelong harm. In terms of the family unit, no other person on the planet can influence a man's family better or for worse than he can. Do we men take this responsibility seriously enough? Well, it's not all doom and gloom. There are a lot of good men about who reject these stereotypes and do take this God-given responsibility seriously and well. And I can testify to that because I am the product of who I am today because of good men. Good men who particularly came into my life during my teenage and young adult years and model to me what it is to be a godly man and father and husband. However, sadly, there are many men who waste the special gift of influence that God has given them and allow their lives to dwindle away. At best, leading a very passive, apathetic life at worst, causing incredible harm and damage, particularly to women and children. Psalm 8, along with Genesis 1 to 2, says we have been given dominion over God. 
God's creation. Now, I would be very quick to add that we are to share this task with our female counterpart. But as far as men are concerned, we have a responsibility to be good stewards of the authority God has given us. Men who use this well can lift up the lives of those in their sphere of influence higher than those without them could be lifted. There are all kinds of qualities to affirm within the masculine identity, as well as ones to be avoidable. They may not necessarily be exclusive to men, but I want to briefly touch on two pitfalls to avoid that can prevent a man from achieving authentic <coughs> manhood followed by two excellent virtues to pursue. And I want to preface by saying that these are stereotypical observations. It's certainly not true for all men, it's not exclusive to men, but I think if you look for the grain of truth, you will agree. Passivity. A passive man just lets life happen to him. It's an apathetic, ad hoc, life on cruise control, minimum effort, couch potato approach. Many men have fallen into the trap of passivity in their lives. These men often refuse to lead in relationships. They often refuse to make decisions. They place pressure on others by not taking responsibility themselves. And this kind of behaviour and attitude, whilst being a lot more acceptable these days, is quietly killing men's spirits and often lead men to feel resentful of the mundane and insignificant lives they lead. Author Rick Johnson says, passivity is unhealthy because it allows life circumstances to push us around, discouraging us from proactively tackling the events and challenges we are faced with. Our world needs men prepared to step off the sideline, remove both hands from their pockets, and get involved in the game, whatever that game might be, because their contribution and leadership is valuable and needed. The second pitfall to avoid is self-indulgence. A self-indulgent nature tells me that I must get my needs met first before I can concern myself with the needs of anyone else. Many men have bought into this way of thinking, especially when it comes to recreational pursuits. Now, whilst having hobbies and interests is a really good and healthy thing, it's highly problematic when this becomes a man's highest priority. Some men spend most of their spare time and money doing things that satisfy their needs. Sure, they might be great athletes, great golfers or cyclists. They might have the most expensive, best-looking, fastest cars. They might have incredible biceps. They might have incredibly beautiful looking landscaped 
gardens. They might be the most amazing musicians or experts at reading the financial markets. They might be the most loyal sports supporters you could find. But at what cost? Not always, but sometimes it is to the neglect of their family. If men could put the same amount of passion, time, energy and resource into their families and helping others less fortunate than themselves, rather than living for themselves and their own happiness, the world would be a remarkably different place. So, two pitfalls for men to avoid are passivity and self-indulgence. Positive qualities to strive for. You know, I think it would be fair to say that the vast majority of men, deep down, want to be good men. They yearn to be men that others look up to and admire. But often they haven't had good role models to know how to be good men. Two positive qualities to strive for include courage and servanthood. 1 Corinthians 16, 33 says this. Be on guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be men of courage. Be strong. If you are a man, this stirs something within you, does it not? These are powerful words of calling to a man's heart. Courage is doing the right thing when all else tells you not to do it. It takes a lot of courage to be a good man. To stand up for what is right. To choose integrity in the moment of choice. The word courage comes from the Latin core, which means heart. So to have courage simply means to have heart. And this is God's idea of strength, to have a strong C.S. Lewis once wrote an essay titled Men Without Chests. Lewis understood that a large-hearted man with a chest was a real man. <laughs> Metaphorically speaking, of course. Courage, or having heart, is what keeps a man from quitting when things get tough. Being a man at times means being required to perform many things you don't want to do. It also means not doing many things you'd like to do in order to be available and present for those who need you. I'm reluctant to say this, but you know, I think men have lost what used to be considered a sense of duty. And that sense of duty within a man used to compel him to do something, even though he may not have been the one responsible or required 
There was something that compelled a man to act, to stand. Now, I think there are some unhealthy aspects to this word, duty. I have a very, very dutiful grandfather, I think, who built his life on the ethic of duty. But I think his family paid a price because he was always being very dutiful to the community, but perhaps not so dutiful to the family. Maybe some of you can relate to that. But our society has changed. Our society now values and encourages men to spend more time at home with their families, with their children. This is a wonderful thing that has happened. But in, 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 that, in, in that happening, men have now become less and less involved in the community. And they have less and less of a sense of duty to make their community and their neighbourhood better than what it is. We've become very self-absorbed. It is now all about me and my family. And that's where I want to talk about servanthood. Now here is a verse that again stirs the heart of a man. Seek justice. Encourage the oppressed. Defend the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Now whilst this verse isn't specifically written to men, does it not do something to the heart of a man to call him forth to be something more than just himself for himself? It's about service. This is very clearly a directive to be actively others-centric, especially those who are most vulnerable and in need of the strength and protection that only a man can offer. Eric Metaxas, in his book Seven Men, writes, at the heart of what it is to be a man is this idea of selflessness, of putting your greatest strength at God's disposal, and of sometimes surrendering something that is yours for a larger purpose, or giving what is yours in the service of others. An authentic man is a servant. He is others rather than self-focused. And I'm going to coin this term, the spirit of fatherhood. After all, to be a father is to give your life in service of another. Becoming a father, raising a child and becoming responsible for the life of another human being often matures a man in ways that he cannot, other, he cannot otherwise attain without going through that experience. Fathering requires huge amounts of self-sacrifice. Fathering may be the most significant thing a man can do with his life. Fatherhood as God intends protects, provides, and leads. A good father calls forth the very best in the lives of those whom he is responsible for and enables them to flourish into their potential. And I would contend that all men regardless of whether they are a biological father or not, have the potential to embody and impart the spirit of fatherhood. In the way they live their lives, 
and in the way they treat others. All men are created in God's image. And God refers to himself and he invites us to refer to him as Father. Embodying the spirit of fatherhood is not dependent on having a child. You may not be a father, but I believe God has placed within your heart the opportunity to be a father to the fatherless. I want to give you a vision for manhood. I love trees. Not in a tree-hugging kind of way, but I find them truly inspiring, especially big, tall, solid trees. They speak to me of strength, of stability, of resilience, of growth. For a tree to grow big and strong, it has to have deep roots. Roots that are unseen to the naked eye, that provide the support structure by which the tree can stand. A tall, strong tree can withstand some of the strongest winds and storms. Trees provide shade and shelter, and at times safety and refuge for both people and animals alike. They also provide a home to many nesting birds. For me, the picture of a strong, tall tree provides an aspirational vision for a man's wife. For a man to go, grow strong and tall, he must have deep roots in good soil. And I liken this to the Word of God and our relationship with the Creator Himself. If we are created by God in His image, then it follows that we need to know Him and heed his plans for our lives if we are to become all that he intends us as men to be. For a family man, there are few more noble tasks than cherishing, protecting, leading and serving your wife and children. A solid man that stands tall as a strong tree is safe and predictable. He provides a place of solace, of rest, of provision and protection for his family. Manhood, as defined by the Bible, requires men to put the needs and best interests of others before their own. It's about living sacrificially. A man uses his strength and influence to help others and defend those who cannot defend themselves. Men, build your life on the Word of God. There is no better foundation. A man who has deep roots grows tall and is able to be strong and stand firm in the face of adversity. He is a man of principle and values. He is decisive, sure of himself, not washing in his opinion, but weighs in and cares about the health, well-being and longevity of those under his care and those unable to care for themselves.
According to James 1.27, religion that God accepts as pure and faultless is to look after orphans and widows. It's about speaking up for the voiceless and defending the rights of the oppressed. Authentic masculinity exists for the good of others. Our lives as men are not determined by what we do, but by what we do for others. The heart of this vision for authentic manhood is sacrificial living, being others' focus. Good men lay their lives down for others, sometimes sacrificing their own ambitions for the benefit of those under their care. They put their interests aside in order to serve those under their care. And there is only one person who has perfectly embodied and modelled this. His name is Jesus Christ. He was the true man's man. Jesus is the only person who has ever flawlessly expressed masculinity in all its magnificent glory. All authority in heaven and earth belongs to him. And he chose to give it up in order to serve and sacrificially live for others. He honoured, loved and championed women. He spoke for the voiceless, defended the weak and vulnerable, lifted up children, delighting in their innocence and giving them dignity. He spent time mentoring and leading 12 ordinary men, calling out the very best in them, helping them to become better men, men who had vision and purpose, men who served others, men who would go on to change the world. He gave up his life by dying on a cross for the sins of the world so that others, people like you and me, might live. Do you know Jesus? Men, do you have a relationship with Jesus? Would you like to find out more about him? Listen to what the Apostle John, an eyewitness of Jesus, says. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and God is in them. Men, if you want to experience the truest and most fulfilling version of yourself, of manhood, then you need Christ. He will guide you in your decision making. He will give you wisdom and compassion. He will place courage into your heart. He will be your leader so you can lead others well. He will give your life meaning and purpose beyond anything you've known. Would you like to place your trust in Jesus and follow him as Lord and Saviour? An adventure of courage and servanthood awaits. Don't delay. God is looking for men after his own heart that he can use to make the lives of others better and more abundant. Authentic manhood as designed by God is found in a relationship with him. Micah 6.8 says, he has told you, O oh man, what is good, 
And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? The core of a man's life is found in a relationship with God. It is in walking humbly with him that men become motivated and empowered to step up and assume all the responsibilities that come his way. May God bless you all.